This is Sam Saxon, along with Professor Joff Deroot, and you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we travel across Oklahoma for ghost stories, as well as urban legends and local history. Testing, testing. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, getting good levels. All right, good, good. Um, even through the mask. Yeah, even through the mask, yeah. Fantastic, good. It's important we document this, I feel. So this is Professor Joff Root with his professor's journal uh, here in the studio with uh, Mr. Saxon. Hello. All right, I've uh, received a strange package and it's about time that I finally open it. Uh, there seems to be something loose inside, but it's muffled. So I think it may have broken loose of its packaging or what? It's been really quite the mystery. So I've uh, come here to make use of different tools. Do you have any suggestions, Mr. Saxon? Yeah, well, I mean, check through that red box, uh, see what you got in there. Okay, miscellaneous. Now this may, no, that's, uh, what we need is a pry bar, I feel. Oh, it looks yeah. kind of fancy. I don't know if you want to damage it. Yes, this claw hammer. I'll put that back then. Mm. So how did you come in possession of this box? Uh, well, it was a uh, Saturday delivery, which was odd, and uh, all the holiday weekend there at Halloween. On Halloween? That's kind of a, kind of creepy or ominous, I guess, but I guess another day for you. Ah, well, it, it is a particularly magical evening. Um, my research is more scholarly than dressing up and guising around town to get free candy. Uh, but it, it was particularly eventful with the Hunter's Moon. Hmm. Uh, I believe the company was uh, Timely Deliveries. Oh, I, I actually did a story on them a couple of years ago from the studio. They're this uh, kind of a startup in Oklahoma City where they custom deliver packages to you on a specific date and time. Uh, one of the people I interviewed was this uh, girl. Uh, her grandfather uh, enlisted the help of the service to continue to give her flowers for her birthday every year after long after he's passed away. So it's hmm. It, it's a pretty neat company. It's like, I'm glad to hear that, you know, we're getting some cool startups like that around here. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, they're still chugging along. Uh, so that's interesting. I wonder, yeah. I wonder who sent that and how long ago they sent that. Uh, it was fairly dusty, so who, who knows? Let's mm. try some of this. Hmm, mm, now? I am quite curious to see what it is. After I drew that fortune in Pahuska, it's been a rather inspirational year, actually. Really? How so? Well, to uh, recite it. You still got that? Oh, for sure. I keep it in my wallet, okay. along with other important documents. Uh, it, of course, was rather odd to uh, talk about my patient disposition and my calm and good sense. But what really caught me was a dear one will return from a long trip and my whole life being changed. Despair not, I say, for your days of despair will soon be over. I certainly look forward to that. I must admit the armed forces line at the end saying I have much friends there has led me to some of the suggestions on Fort Washita and the 45th Museum. Hmm. Well, they have been probably some of our most entertaining, well, I wouldn't, probably not appropriate to say entertaining, but 
definitely some rather interesting stories, you know? Very true. I particularly was interested in the apparitions. Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of on the subject of apparitions. You ever hear from that person who called himself George Grayson? Hmm. Well, I have had no further contact that I've been able to pin directly on him. If it is that monster Grayson, then I would very much like to see him again. Hmm. Well, I haven't heard from him ever since that. What, when, what was that? It was. That was last year, yeah, at the, the library. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wide open some... windows and no escape. Yeah, that's, that's some elaborate trolling there. Mm, or something more. Uh, have you figured out how to open up that box yet? We've been uh, at it for what? Is it since Halloween and it's well, over a couple of weeks. Would you like me to take a look? Uh, sure, I don't think this file is doing anything. Uh, let me take a look. Huh. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like an XLR port on it. XLR, is that Sumerian? No, 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 it's like, uh, what I used to hook up our microphones. Yeah, hm. I'm kind of wondering, hold on, I got a cord. Let me, uh, let's see. Let's set that down and let's plug this in, just see what happens. Did you hear that? I did, is, is it open? Uh, hold on, let me, oh, hey, it is. Well, there's a bunch of old, delicate paper. Here, I'll hand that to okay. you. That's not wrapping paper. Huh, oh, look at this, it's, that takes me back. There's a cassette tape. Hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Who's the band? Uh, I don't know, it's uh, blank, actually. Huh. Hmm, I guess, uh, well, you know, we probably got some old cassette uh, here in our storage. I bet we could probably uh, load this up and find out what's on it. Hold on, let me find that. Uh, let's see, where is it? No, uh, no, I know. And they never throw away anything over here. I'm like, wait a sec. Aha, here we go. All right. All right, well, let's put this in and find out what's on this tape. I'm very curious. These are very old papers. I feel I should be wearing archivist gloves. Hmm. Well, I, I'm going to hit play. Hello, this is Wendell Holmes. Is, Wendell? Is that Wendell? That sounds like him. But Wendell passed away two years ago. Yeah, that's not what I would expect to hear on this recording. Wendell. Professor Geoff de Root. That, that's Geoff de Root, Wendell. Yeah. I'm assuming you're correcting me even as I speak. And Sam Saxon. At least I'm assuming, Sam, you're there, because seeing as you'd be the only one to open this box, as the professor's grasp of technology is somewhat limited. Well, there are other things in technology that are important. I mean, scholarly things. In the midst of my research, I came across some rumors about Chinese tunnels underneath Oklahoma City. Upon searching, I was actually able to find these Chinese tunnels and continued my search deeper within. Wait, did he just say he actually went to the Chinese tunnels? Like, last time you spoke to him, he was still hadn't found out where they were. 
well, I suppose this must have been afterward. I mean, we found them, of course, but uh, that was through a certain network of informants that I haven't spoken with in quite a long time, come to think of it. During my search within the Chinese tunnels, I came across some documents, very old and sadly very damaged. Most of them are in a language I'm not entirely sure of. It appears to be Mandarin, but of a dialect I'm not entirely sure of. Very, very old. My research, my research might very well find more information later. But I was able to decipher one thing, a set of maps, ley line maps, as a matter of fact, of not only the state of Oklahoma, but the surrounding states as well. I've not been able to decipher many of the locations, but I have found one. Beaver Dunes is showing promising results. Beaver Dunes? Hmm. Uh, what do you know about that? Well, today it's a state park up in Beaver County, Oklahoma. Um, it's fairly infamous uh, on the internet for... Uh, My research indicates that it's fairly famous for strange and or paranormal activities. One of the other documents seems to indicate something strange. Uh, frogs from heaven or a rain of frogs. Yes, and, that's accurate. And there is a date of 1895. Unfortunately, I can't find out any more of my research. This package should arrive to you upon October 31st, 2020. You should be safe as it is the hunter's moon that night. These documents are one of a kind, and I do fear that they may bring you trouble. Keep them someplace secret and safe. Maybe in a clock. No, what am I thinking? A clock is a stupid place to put something. Find, but in any case, find a secret place for these. I hope that you all, I hope, I hope that these are just my paranoid ramblings and that we will meet up later and be able to go through these documents together. Godspeed, gentlemen, and goodbye. Goodbye, Wendell. I was not expecting to hear Wendell's voice again. And here was I. Well, this is certainly not the dear one returning that I was anticipating. I, I don't think my days of despair will end anytime soon. Do you have any idea about, I guess, those documents? Oh, they are very old, as you said. I, uh, I can't make heads or tails of any of these marks. I'm certainly not into ideograms, but that will give me plenty to do once finals are all graded. Hmm. It would be nice to give something to occupy my mind over the holidays. Yeah. Oh, um, should we pass this along to your detective friend? I mean, I guess we could, uh, but I mean, this was clearly recorded before he died, and after we saw him, uh, might change the timeline a little bit on the death, but even then, uh, I still can't see how this is gonna shed any new light. As far as I'm concerned, she's probably concerned last time I chatted with her. It's a cold case. Well, any new information hopefully would bring some heat to that. 
and I suppose it is too late to process him for trespassing. Yeah. Well, I guess we got the box open. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you want to do yeah. now, Professor? Well, deciphering these lines do make sense. If I could find an atlas and overlay them, maybe we could see what these, they're all geographic signatures. Um, I can see what he means a little bit eastern of Black Mesa and then uh, northwest of Gloss Mountains. Those are at least sensible. I can't make too much sense of the rest of the rivers. They seem to have shifted a little. Uh, but no, that is definitely Beaver County. Well, what do you know about Beaver County? Oh, it's, it's often listed as Oklahoma's most famous paranormal incident, uh, uh, up there with the uh, Okiepus, the, the mutated octopus hanging out in freshwater uh, lakes here in Oklahoma. I thought that was a Norman legend. Uh, well, apparently it connects with several places. I, I did a, a side venture on it since um, there was interest among the students, so I uh, talked to some geologists about it, uh, one of which pointed to an old Native American legend that in the eastern and southern part of the state, the uh, uh, springs that were feeding for animals and, and natives, they knew that they were all interconnected by a series of flooded caves. Okay. Uh, which the geologist said, and of course that's true, which prompted me to, to ask how they knew that. And, and the, their geology was able to point to the fact that these legends are based in truth. Uh, many of those springs, of course, have since been dammed up and made into Lake Tinkiller, Lake Texoma, Lake Thunderbird. And according to the old Indian legend, there were creatures in those caves uh, that rarely came out to see the light. They uh, were described as having uh, bodies like leeches, but legs all around their mouths that they used to swim. That's creepy. Well, if you live 500 miles inland, it, it might say so, but uh, it's a very fitting description of an octopus, a very soft-bodied invertebrate creature with legs all around its mouth. And of course, the folklore is now that the rivers have been dammed up into lakes. Uh, octopi are some of the creatures like snakes that will grow as large as their uh, environment will allow. And so they've grown up to six and seven feet long. Uh, they're often described as uh, ruddy red and uh, with a uh, length of about a horse, especially in the deepest parts of the lakes. Uh, I've interviewed several people who've claimed to have seen them. One fellow was very enthused. He swore up and down that he had in fact been not only uh, encountering the creature, but it attacked him. He was out on Lake Thunderbird uh, tubing, uh, being pulled behind the boat. Uh, at one point the boat turned, he lost the rope as you do and skidded off into the deep part of the lake. And he was just waiting for the people to come back around. And as he did, this red tentacle came up and began grabbing his leg. He said he was able to kick it off uh, but he got up on top of the tube, not easy to do, I've been told, uh, and waited there until the boat picked him up, at which point he demanded to be taken back to the shore. Well, I would be demanding to take him back to the shore too, but typical reached up and grabbed me. <laughs> well, of course, the uh, park rangers say that it is a combination of red algae that grows in our lakes uh, and alcohol. That would make sense. <laughs> well, similarly to that, the... Uh, legend up at Beaver Dunes State Park uh, has really only been researchable about to the 90s. And a lot of people say that it 
originated from the internet itself. Which, perhaps, or maybe there's some part of the collected unconscious that just allowed it to slip out at that time. But the legend goes back to Coronado himself. They say that his journeys across the Panhandle as he was seeking out seven cities of Cibola and rich gold here in the middle part of the country where we have almost none. Uh, the Native Americans, uh, the Pawnee at the time, they directed him to go around the dunes. Uh, there's plenty of prairie and grass, and they said, do not go into these dune structures. Uh, the, they are places of madness, and only the wisest shamans are able to cross. So Coronado's main body, of course, followed the advice of their guides. But some men uh, thought that the Indians might be hiding something. Maybe these cities are within there. Uh, some said, well, maybe they're just trying to protect their local game, mm -hmm. so it could be easy hunting. Well, three of the men finally convinced him to uh, let them go, and so they went into the dunes, uh, and just a searching party, nobody thought of anything of it until they heard these men screaming and running fast. Uh, they turned, and when these men cried out to them, green lightning green ripped lightning. out from the ground, and they vanished in uh, what was called a pillar of flame. So uh, the place was blessed, and of course, Coronado moved on. Uh, or so all the legend goes. It's supposed to be uh, within the pages of their spiritual guide, the priest who came with them, uh, although no one seems to have a complete record of his journal. Uh, but he is known, uh, he was with them, and uh, later returned to the area where he uh, was martyred. Hmm. So that's the most recent stories. And then of course, uh, people say that green lightning still appears to this day. People will often go out into the dunes for uh, their dune buggies driving back and forth, and four-wheelers, and having picnics, and you know, whatever people do for fun. Uh, and some of them simply never come back. Hmm. The local rangers, of course, say they don't know anything about disappearances, which a cynic might say, well, of course, that's going to impact their tourism money. Mm -hmm. uh, but more people say that it is some kind of cover-up. Uh, they say anybody who starts talking about it too much quickly uh, becomes visited by men in black suits with sunglasses and identifications for government organizations that they'd never heard of before. And they're threatened, and then quickly uh, no longer speak about these things. Sounds pretty standard conspiracy stuff. Yes, it's uh, one of the two UFO crash sites believed to be in the state. Uh, they say that its hyper-reality generator is still firing somewhere deep beneath the dunes and that's causing these disappearances as people slip into an alternate reality. We have two. I didn't realize Oklahoma had any supposed UFO crash sites. Uh, well, yes, and the second is the companion to uh, Gravity Hill. Uh, we took our venture with ghosts pushing us uphill. Uh, a little bit farther south, there is, of course, the stretch of Magnetic Hill, where people say their cars are pushed by the magnetic drive of a downed UFO somewhere beneath the prairie. That's outside of Springer, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, south of Davis, yes. Well, as far-fetched as UFOs are, there are documented cases of other things appearing in Beaver County, going back there to the 1890s. There was a famous case of a fellow who had two lights haunting him uh, out there on his homestead. 
Uh, he had these, they called them spook lights, much like we've seen on Route 66. Just these orbs of light floating six or seven feet off the ground, too tall to be somebody with a lantern, uh, which they could see around them at, uh, before it got too dark and no one was there. So um, first they were kind of unnerved. Uh, he brought family over to come and check on it, as you do. His brother-in-law uh, tried to experiment with it, going toward them and dancing with them. And as he moved, they would move too. Finally, uh, after some weeks of this, it drove the man to such madness that he grabbed his shotgun and went after them, uh, laid down a spray of shot toward one. Uh, it went out, and the other took off into the sky, never to be seen again. Hmm. And then there's the frog rain. The frog rain? That's true, yes. Another case, this uh, fellow was driving the mail route, uh, going to deliver the mail uh, to rural residents as well into the town post office when the sky turned black. A dark front rolled in and it turned basically to night. And as it did, it began raining and, and nothing he wasn't unaccustomed to. So tightened up his jacket, hurried the horse on, and then it began raining frogs. So mixed in with the rain, hundreds of thousands of tiny little frogs, a little bit, they say about the size of a man's thumbnail, uh, just rained down, caught in his hat, uh, peppered on the back of the horse. And he would catch several of them in his hand at a time and it'd fill up and he'd empty it and go again. Uh, all of them were said to landed basically unharmed, just flopped down on their little frog bellies and then moved along. Uh, this happened for uh, 15 to 20 minutes by the time it took him to get into town where everyone else was seeing these frogs bouncing off of roofs and the wooden walks. Um, as, and then as soon as it began, it ended and the sun came out and all the frogs scattered and never to be seen again. It sounds like they got, got caught up in a tornado or something. One will never know. Perhaps it was from the frog dimension and the UFO's reality brought it in. But uh, here I am telling stories when we have fresh research to do. I, I'm going to take these documents home with me and see if they might lead me to something new. Um, might see you down the road, Sam. Thank you for your help. No problem. Yes, uh, uh, let me get your microphone back from you and I'll, I'll see you around. The Show Starts Now Studios is proud to bring you Season 3 of Tales Unveiled with producer Dennis Spielman. Dennis was the voice of Sam Saxton, along with his co-host Jeff Provine as the voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot. The voice of Wendell Holmes Harrison was Paul Evans. Make sure you're a patron supporter because you'll get super early access to new episodes of Season 4 before it premieres in the fall. For show updates, follow Tales Unveiled on all the social medias, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast via your favorite player for the latest episodes. Also be sure to follow the Show Starts Now studios to keep in the loop about other productions. I'm the voice of the end credits, Leslie Spielman, and we would all like to thank you for listening to Tales Unveiled. Before we go, I have some advice for you from Maya Angelou. We may encounter many defeats, but we must not be defeated. Until next time, listeners, happy adventures. Happy adventures.